The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a story from writer and cultural sexologist Carol Queen. Hey, pervert, I have news, and I can't decide if I'm happy or in shock because this is something I've been working on for months and months and months, and it looks like it finally came together today. So... You know, I've been trying to put together this tour, and I had pretty much given up last week. Too much time had been lost. And then today I had a conversation with a big, beautiful venue chain that I am so thrilled. I can't imagine doing what I love on those stages. So it looks like contracts have not been signed yet, but it looks like body storytelling is going to be coming to the following cities. Philadelphia. Pittsburgh, Nashville, New York City. That one's going to be a really special show. And Atlanta. So if you want to write me privately, bodystorytelling at Gmail, I will not announce it on the podcast because it's not a done deal yet. But if you want to know, because you want to save some dates, then I'm willing to do that for you. Tickets are not on sale yet, but very soon. And also, Baltimore... January 19th and 20th is going to go on sale this week. So it's coming soon. Tell your friends, pitch me a story because I can't do this without you. And if you have friends with interesting stories, tell them to pitch me a story too. Same email address, bodystorytelling at Gmail. I will tell you how to pitch me. It's not that hard. You don't have to be perfect. That's where I come in. But the sooner you pitch me, the sooner we can start working on this. So I feel like I'm getting way ahead of myself by even talking about it because it's not ready to be talked about yet. But a lot of people have been asking and they want to know how they can see body on the East Coast. And this is it. Some of these cities I've never gone to before. Some of them I haven't done since 2017. So yeah, <laughs> it's happening, y'all. If you think you may be struggling with relationship OCD, there's hope. OCD is more than you see on TV and in the movies. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about your sexuality stuck in your head all day, and no matter how hard you try, you can't make them go away. Relationship OCD is often overlooked subtype of OCD that comes with unrelenting intrusive images, thoughts, and urges about your partner, loved one, or sexuality. 
NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure response prevention therapy, the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specially trained therapists. It's affordable, and they accept most major insurance plans. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. To get started, go to nocd.com to book a free 15-minute call. That's nocd.com, and there's a link to them in the show notes. Here's something I'm really excited about. Body Storytelling is coming to Baltimore on January 19th and 20th. This really great venue that invited us and made it super easy. I am such a fan of the Bluebird Baltimore, y'all. And it's a small venue for a body, so tickets are going to sell really, really fast. If you want to know where the tickets are, they're on the newsletter. So make sure you subscribe, bodystorytelling.com slash subscribe, and you can get on them tickets because Baltimore is the kickoff event for the tour. And this show is going to be so special. I have rock stars asking to be in this show. So sign up for the newsletter and get your tickets as soon as you can. I can't wait to see you there. They've told us we can just hang out afterwards and have cocktails and be social And that sounds like the perfect way to kick off a tour to me. How about you? Are you ready for a story? Well, this one's a good one. Let me tell you about the storyteller. Carol Queen is an American author, editor, sociologist, and sexologist active in the sex-positive feminism movement. She's a two-time Grand Marshal of the San Francisco LGBTQ Parade. She's written on human sexuality in books such as Real Live Nude Girl, Chronicles in Sex Positive Culture. She's written a sex tutorial called Exhibitionism for the Shy, Show Off, Dress Up, and Talk Hot, as well as erotica like the novel The Leather Daddy and the Femme, which is one of my favorites. She's produced adult movies, events, workshops, lectures. She's featured as an instructor and star in both installments of Bend Over Boyfriend about female-to-male anal sex, also known as pegging. And she serves as staff sexologist at Good Vibrations, the infamous San Francisco sex toy retailer. I looked it up. She has been their staff sexologist for 34 years this month. Isn't that amazing? This storyteller is Carol Queen. I know y'all in the back row probably cannot read my t-shirt. It says, Peg the Patriarchy. I know some of you folks are new. If you're not sure what pegging is, someone else here would be so happy to tell you. But also, I'm just going to do this. But also, you got to check out Bend Over Boyfriend. Because if you check out Bend Over Boyfriend, you will meet my partner, Robert, who is not here tonight, uh, where we are teaching you how to fuck men up the ass with dildos. Although that's not what my story is about. It still is relevant in a certain way. And also gets you closer to your pegging dreams in case you have any, or will have some after you see the movie. So, Dixie, thank you for your story. (sighs) 
probably some of you people saw in the New York Times a week or so ago that uh, story about how kids are watching porn for sex ed. Some of you people look young to me. And it's conceivable that that is also how you got all your information right up until now. I am glad to say, and by the way, if you did get your information like that right up till now, I would like you to, to go and read that story if you didn't already, because it will give you some nuance. Uh, but also, I would like to say congratulations for coming here to learn your sex education, because this is where it really starts to happen. And of course, many people come to San Francisco specifically so that they can be the sexual people that they are. Um, other people move here to get jobs. So if there are some of both in this room, that's actually awesome. I want to tell you the story of uh, meeting Robert, but we have to back up a little bit um, to a sex education modality uh, that I found myself in on purpose uh, in the 1980s. Right, three of you remember that, those years. You remember. I do. Those were, those were some good and some bad years. The 1980s, San Francisco. I had come, uh, like Yoni, to go to the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality and get my doctorate in sexology. And just as I got there, a thing was about to happen, to burst onto the San Francisco scene. The very first ever, ever, Jack and Jill off party. I saw a little flyer on the bulletin board at school where the only rules were, by the way, that you could not solicit for your tuition out in front of the building. Doing it anywhere else was okay, but don't bring too much attention to the building. And that instructors were not allowed to grade student papers in the hot tub. <laughs> but that wasn't really a problem for very long because after a while the hot tub broke and they never did get fixed. So, I know. <laughs> I, I got in there though, don't worry. I, I was I was in on the, the first wave of that sort of thing before it was before it was ancient history. And this really is a history story for you too, because just in case you were wondering why were the 80s good and bad? Well, I'll tell you why. In San Francisco and in many other places too, but you couldn't escape it in San Francisco. There was an each of the AIDS epidemic blazing. And a whole lot of our pe people died. A whole lot of our friends didn't make it through. A lot of the rest of our friends got super scared about sex. And for a minute there, nobody knew exactly how you got it. It was pretty clear it was sexually transmitted, but exactly how took them a moment to figure out, well, more than a moment, because did they give a shit? The they who do research? Mm, only a few of them did. And so the sex people in San Francisco, what do you do under those circumstances? You say... I know, let's start a jack-off club. Actually, the guys who started the San Francisco Jacks say that they started it just to be a space for friendly social masturbation among people who identify as men, which made the women at the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality go, what are fucking we, chopped liver? We want to come and hide behind the drapes. I am not just throwing the drapes in because of our former discussion either. That's exactly what they said. They wanted to go to the jack-off party and hide and watch, which I think will 
probably bring us up to the point of agreeing, I would hope anyhow, that this bullshit about women not having any visual erotic interest is just that bullshit. Because they just wanted to stare. That was it. And I don't know. Some of you are out there are gay men, and perhaps you're thinking, oh, that'd be cool. Or you could say what they did, and they, would, they, they said, <laughs> or something like it. I wasn't in the room when the discussion happened, but I was there shortly thereafter when the women who got with the couple of guys in the jacks who said, well, you can't come to our party, but we could, we could throw a different party together. And that's what happened. That was how the Jack and Jill off came to be. So I was getting my doctorate in sexology. How on earth was I going to miss a thing like that? It was like a lab. <laughs> and I had been in a couple of threesomes, uh, well, several threesomes already. So I felt like, you know, I had my foot in the door, at least in that respect. And so what I did was I went to the party, and I stood outside on the sidewalk, and I, I, I walked up and down a little bit, and I, I, walked around the, I walked around the corner, and I stood there, and I was like, if I don't go into this fucking party, I'm going to kick my ass for the rest of my life. I don't care how scared I am. I can go in there. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. By the way, if later tonight you get invited to your first sex party, because some of you are newcomers, yay. Remember, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. That's a good way to make yourself feel more centered. Also, if you just fuck like one other human being, that wouldn't be a bad sort of ground rule to lay there either. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's just a thought. Since lately people are wanting everyone to make some rules and explain all the rules, that would be a good start. So I go in and I find that I'm in this warehouse that's mostly occupied by gay men. Most of the gay men in San Francisco have one or the other kind of party there. There's the trough. Can you guess what that is? I am the only female who is a, a, like a charter member, but not really of the trough, because they never let me go, really. But they gave me a t-shirt, and they were like, Carol, you can have our trough t-shirt. I was like, aw. I like piss play, too. I just can't do it with you. Okay. But that was later. This time, I'm walking up a large flight of stairs, wooden stairs. I'm walking around a balcony where you can look down, and the people who are downstairs by the food table, because at sex parties, uh, food tables are very important, because that's where the shy people congregate and wait to get the nerve to walk away from there and go up the stairs or wherever you're going. So the, from the food table, you can look up and you can see people leaning on the railing up there doing the things. And from up there, you could look down at the food table and go, that shy person looks almost ready to come up. Maybe I'll just wander downstairs and say hi. And all of the things that you do to be convivial together, to, to, to be social uh, in your masturbation. Because remember, this is a Jack and Jill off party. This is not a fuck party. It is a sex party because sex is, masturbation is sex. If they told you in your, I don't know, Mormon Sunday school that it wasn't sex, that would be incorrect. That was incorrect information. It is a sexual act. Whether you're by yourself or with your 60 closest new friends. And 
there was also the, well, the, here, here are the rules. Jack and Jill off, ask before you touch, uh, don't do anything that nobody wants, doesn't want you to do, uh, communicate, be convivial with one another, please, at all times, wash your hands between doing things, and put condoms on it if it's going to go anywhere, and no condoms go in orifices. But sex toys could go into orifices if you want. Fingers probably could. There were some, you know, generally we want people who are scared of intercourse type vaginal anal or whatever you got to be able to go back to sexual space with less fear. Also, it'd be awesome to stand behind the drapes and watch the guys jack off. So let's just have a thing so we can maybe see some of that too. So I did want to see some of that, as a matter of fact. I'd been a little afraid of men, but not so afraid of men that I didn't want to watch them jack off. And I was starting to get friendly with them again, quite a bit. Friendlier than I had been when I was dyke-identified and living in Eugene, Oregon, where you pretty much had to be dyke-identified if you're of a certain age. And uh, I really, I was bi the whole time, but could I get a girlfriend to save my life? Well, no, but that's, that's a story for another night. And so I was like, I was exploring this strange male of the species, and there they all were. And, and so there was a point at which I found myself. In these sex, sex, sex party stories, you always go, I found myself on a sofa straddling the knee of this swinger woman who had the dirtiest mouth I have ever heard on her. Where did she go? I don't know, but she was a consummately fucking filthy, dirty talker. And she was exhorting me to masturbate, which I was doing, of course. Part of the reason I was there was to masturbate. But another part that I was just discovering right then was that I wanted this woman to be whispering in my ear that I should stick two or three fingers up my cunt while I was masturbating and make sure that I used both hands. Don't worry. She'd hold me up so I wouldn't fall off the sofa. What did I tell you? Convivial. <laughs> if you feel that you do not live in a friendly enough world, and many of us do feel that way these days, don't we? I mean, there are ways to deal with that. But everybody's got to want to do the stuff before you start to do it. So there I am on the lap of the woman, her boyfriend, or maybe he's kind of her submissive. I, I was a little naive at that point. I wasn't totally sure what was going on, but, but he was doing some, like, some sexy things to her while this was happening. I think there were nipples involved, maybe a little pulling, not sure. And two or three other people sitting on the sofa with us, kind of exhorting me as well. And d did anybody ever tell you to masturbate more when you were a young person? Mostly we got told to masturbate less, so I found that it was very healing. Also, what's going on at the same time is five guys make a semicircle around us, so there's, here's our sofa, and there's the semicircle of guys, and they're all jerking off, and I get to keep my eyes open and stare at them while one after the other, they pop off, and this woman is saying, dirty, dirty shit in my ear, and I come to, of course, because there's a thing in sexology where if one person comes, sometimes there'll be like this contagion, and in a room full of people, it's more likely even to happen than if there's only two people in the room. Sometimes the energy doesn't get high enough under those circumstances, although sometimes it certainly does. And so I didn't come just once, I came four times. 
And I would not brag about that, except that I had been a singly orgasmic person up until that time. I learned, and I will share with you now, just in case you want a little extra sex ed, that sometimes upping the degree of erotic experience in the room, the energy, the different kinds of sensation, ups arousal and makes it more likely for one to have an orgasm. It really works. I was very pleased about it. So naturally, I became part right away of the core crew of people putting on Jack and Jill offs. I was like, anything that can make me multi-orgasmic, I think I'd better do some more of. Who knows what's going to happen next time. So next time, the people at uh, JJO headquarters, which, God, I'm sorry I don't have quite enough time to tell you all about them because... They were a hoot. Uh, seriously, a hoot. Someday I'll come back and tell you all the deets. Um, the next one, they were like, let's do a theme party. Let's do a circus Jack and Jill off and encourage everyone to wear circus costumes and, and we'll play circus music. And right before I am all the way up a ladder changing a light bulb in my little skirt. And little, little short high heels are pretty good for climbing ladders with. I don't know if you knew that. I was up there. There was this gay guy down at the bottom holding onto the ladder. And Robert, my Robert, still my Robert, after low these many years, we're getting close to 30, 29 years now, I think. Robert, my Robert, is there, and he and I have been flirting with each other ever since he got there to help out. I've met him one time before very briefly, but there we are. And he decides that the right way to uh, my heart would be to tell me a dirty limerick. I will share it with you now, because I committed it to memory, of course. Some of you have other, like, meet-cute stories, but this is mine. A truck-driving lezzie named Spike hauled dildos at night down the pike. When asked by the fuzz what it was that she does, she said, I'm a fake dick Van Dyke. <laughs> it's possible that some of you are more the haiku type. He was just writing haiku this morning, in fact, but... Learn a couple of poems, all y'all, to, you know, when it comes time to seduce someone. You know, learn the poem from the base of the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor. People will just melt for that, especially in San Francisco. So, to conclude my story of meeting cute and falling in love with my Robert, who was wearing a red ringmaster's tailcoat and a silk top hat. Um, you said they couldn't masturbate in, in here, right? Because, okay, well, because, I, because if you're anything like me, that just makes you, you want to put your hand between your legs right now. I don't know. Maybe you're not like me. It's okay. It takes all kinds. And so we went upstairs, and we started to make out, and I mean making out, and he sets his top hat on a little side table next to the sofa where we were. We were clutching and grabbing. There was some hand on cock. There were some fingers in pussy. Remember, we just weren't having intercourse, but 
oh, there are a fair number of things that you can do up till that point. And if you do them properly, you won't even miss having any intercourse. So we were doing all those things and you're grabbing each other's hair and kissing. And at one point, he pulls away from me, slightly regretfully, I could tell, and looks over at the hat, right up above the hat. And I hear him say, please, sir, don't come in my hat. It's rented. And our friend Bill was over there jerking off like crazy watching us make out, which is very flattering. Like, try to be the person that makes out so well that when your friends come over the, to your house, what they would really rather do than anything else is just sit and jerk off while you make out in front of them. I mean, I'm not saying you have to do this in real life. You might not want to, of course, and your friends might be all, eh, just like those guys at the jack-off party, but, but try to make out like that were possible. Dick on the train. She wrapped her dick on the train. 
dancing on the ceilings Ugh. Kind of vanilla, but she likes it, be Priscilla Bobby could both give and take Swinging cars and singing jailhouse rock She was soaking and squealing Now when she moves her pelvis Prince is penetrating Elvis oh, me. Come on, Prince. She slapped on his ass, pulled on his cape, and on the way out the door. They wiped their dicks on the drapes. They wiped their dicks on the drapes. That song was Wipe Your Dick on the Drapes, part one, identified only by its initials out there on the internet, by Body's very own Jefferson Berge. Have I told you lately how much I love Patreon? It is astounding to me that as an artist, people can show me their support and make sure I'm still here. And I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Patreon. Right now, there's a special offer. If you support Body at the $25 a month level or up, you can get access to 40 hours of body storytelling live shows. 16 full shows. And it's all on video. I'm calling it my all-you-can-eat offer. So go to patreon.com slash body. Sign up at the $25 a month level or greater. And you are going to have access right now to so much body. You're going to be sick of me. Well, that's our time for this week. Before you go, can I ask you to write me a review? I love it when you write me a review. Subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. It makes a huge difference. And maybe I'll get to thank you in person sometime soon. While I'm saying thank you for that, I want to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to Mosa Maxwell-Smith, to Donald Mooney, David Grossoff, Roland James, and podcast producer Roman Den Haudiker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour. This has been episode 281 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. A big, a big love.